Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rock Him Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score, the Bunker Edition. <laughs> oh my God, BK, how are you doing? I'm hanging in, man. I talk about sports for a living, and there's no sports to talk about right now, so it's <laughs> it's been interesting to say the least. What's the most interesting thing that you can turn into sports? Grocery shopping? Ooh, that's a good question. So apparently there was a spitting competition on ESPN 8 The Ocho Ooh. over the weekend. That's a pretty good one. Um, I mean, you said interesting, though. That's not, like, compelling by any stretch, <laughs> but it's strange. Uh, that's that's a good question. Marble marble racing? Ooh. I saw that over the weekend. Ooh. That That's probably up there. I like it. I like it. Right now, the uh, kid is uh, trying to get her to sprint back and forth across the room, seeing how fast she can do it. Uh, that's not sports. It's also not interesting, but it's what we have. Um, I have not set foot outside of Edwards' property since uh, two Fridays ago. Now, that's not good for you. That's man. not saying I haven't been in my car. It's just my foot has not left the property. So I am doing my part. You're still going into the office, though, right? I am, yeah. We, uh, I mean, there's very few people along with myself that are going into the office right now. But I mean, you you know what it works like in a uh, in a radio business. But there, it's not just the people that are on air. There's a ton of salespeople. There's a ton of logistical people. There's promotions. There's marketing. There's the digital side of things. There's engineers. There's probably a hundred people that work in my office on any given day. And I bet you we're down to about 30 that are coming on Ooh. in on a consistent basis. And it's basically just the big bosses and then the people that are actually on the air. Everybody else that can work from home at this point is working from home. So I pretty much go into work, come home, go on a run, and then stay home the rest of the day. That's it's, smart. It's pretty simple. That's smart. As one of those former sales monkeys, uh, I know that you don't have to work in the <laughs> office to work. So... Uh, certainly, you probably don't see too many of those people around, but uh, yeah, it can be a lonely place when it's just you and your little, in your bubble, and no one else is walking around. It kind of, kind of feels like a ghost town, you know. <sighs> well, it's eerie, man. You walk in in the morning and like, I get the best parking spot now, oh, which is yeah. great. That's not so bad. Um, <laughs> I, I don't see anybody as I'm getting my morning coffee. That is one of the negatives. They shut down the shipments of the coffee to our office. So starting like Thursday or Friday, we are officially not going to have coffee in the office anymore. And that's going to be a major wow. bummer because we have really good coffee. Wow. But Hey man, first world problems. If that's the biggest <laughs> issue that I've got right yeah. now, I'm, I'm doing a okay. No kidding. Yeah. That coffee machine was dynamite. Oh man. Okay. Well, Condolences for your lack of coffee, but uh, I feel like you're going to make <laughs> Thanks, it through. Thanks, man. Well, speaking of making it through, let's let's take a dive into some Mizzou news. We uh, we're, we're we're scrounging, ladies and gentlemen. We're scrounging. We do have something that happened. Uh, we have a commitment uh, from the quarterback of the class of 2020, so far anyway, uh, Mr. Tyler Macon, out of East St. Louis, fresh off of a state championship. Um, this is great. I know, BK, you wrote about uh, your thoughts on what it means for the Drinkwitz uh, offense and what that could be. I think it's just great to open up that East St. Louis pipeline. We did that mm-hmm. back in 2014, and you know, really the only fruit that it bore was, well, I guess Terry Beckner and uh, Trevor 
Wallace Sims, which is, is great. Uh, but the amount of kids that we brought in, were, I think, were five. So most of them kind of transferred. I was about out. to say, technically, Nate Strong was one of Nate those. Strong. Uh, Nate Ta- Taylor. Who was Greg he? Taylor? Greg Taylor was his Greg name. Taylor, the safety. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's a great hotbed of talent, and you like to have that. Yeah, he was up there, and then there was one other. I don't remember who the other one was. Mm, I'm blanking too. But regardless. The pipeline had seemingly been shut off, but uh, I'm glad to see that there are kids that are still interested. Um, you've taken a look at him, BK. You, you wrote a piece on him. What are I mean? What are your thoughts on the on the commitment? And to you, what does that mean, kind of for the offense and the Drinkwitz regime going forward? It's interesting because the, the the angle that I basically took on it is it's our first glimpse into what Drinkwitz wants from his quarterback. This doesn't mean what we see from Tyler Macon is going to be what every Drinkwitz quarterback looks like. I mean, if we did this with Gary Pinkle, we would have thought that ultimately you were going to get a bunch of running quarterbacks because that's the way that he went at the very beginning. And that wasn't the case, obviously. Brad Smith was the the beginning, and then you ended up with Chase Daniel, which is like the opposite of Brad Smith. So <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't want to put too much credence into this, but it's the only glimpse that we have so far. So let's le- at least read a little bit something into it. Um, he said earlier this offseason, quote, I look for five characteristics in a quarterback. Toughness, preparation, decision-making, accuracy, and leadership. Those five requirements don't fit into a box. Leaders come in all, in all shapes and sizes. Quarterbacks come in all shapes and sizes. But I think all great quarterbacks possess those five things. Reading a little bit about Macon, it seems like he's certainly, at the very minimum, has the accuracy, the toughness, and the leadership. We'll see on the preparation. We'll see on the decision-making. It's so hard to know without seeing him in a college situation to be able to tell what those things ultimately look like. But he completed 70% of his passes last year. In terms of leadership, everybody that knows the kid seems to talk about how great of a leader he is. One of the stories that I read talked about, I think it was his junior year, I don't remember the exact game, but it was in the Illinois State playoffs. He got knocked around in the first half of a game and just kept getting back up. And his coach said, listen, that's when we knew like this kid's going to be special. So he seems to have the toughness, accuracy, and leadership. We'll see on the other two, but he fits the profile. And he's a little bit of a dual threat quarterback. I think some people may be overselling how much of a dual threat he is. He seems to be a little bit more of a passer than people are giving Mm -hmm. it ultimately credit for. Um, And Mm -hmm. I like that. I I like that he's a better quarterback, better passer than maybe people are are leading themselves to believe. He's also short. He's six foot, and that's what he's listed at. He might be 5'11", who knows, but when you get the listed heights, especially for these things, you never know what it actually is. Um, I would say probably 5'11", would be my best guess right now. Um, but that's fine. And if this is what he wants to do, if he wants a guy that's got the mobility, that's got the accuracy and can push it down the field a little bit, that seems to be maybe one of his biggest weaknesses in Tyler Macon. I'm in, that sounds great to me. And like you said, the biggest thing probably from all of this is the fact that he's from East St. Louis and he could potentially open that thing up again. So you got a QB commit. We get a little bit of a glimpse into what Drinkwitz is looking for. And it seems like he's a pretty good player. So for me, two thumbs up, man. I, I can't say anything but good things about this commitment. What was your biggest takeaway from it? I'm just I'm just glad we got him. He's the highest rated commit so far. Um, he's a quarterback, and you always take one in a class. And um, I was very impressed with this tape. Yeah, I think he's, he's – think more of Trace McSorley. Don't think like – 
Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield with the with the scrambling ability. Uh, for reference, Chase Daniel back in the day was listed at six one two fourteen on Rivals. That's a lie. Um, I probably believe the two fourteen part. Maybe a couple pounds heavier, but um, yeah, he was barely six feet. So if you get six foot one eighty, he's probably yeah five ten five eleven maybe. 170, 175, which I'm fine with. Um, Trace McSorley over at Penn State, uh, gosh, two years ago, three years ago. Uh, Love that comp, it up by the way. In, yeah, lighting it up in that Joe Moorhead offense. Um, he could, he could, he could move, but you weren't relying on him to scramble. You were relying on him to make a quick read and accurate read and, and get it done. And got 70 percent completion rate. I know it's against high school, but. That makes me so happy to see that. So Nate, it's also not a low-level high school. Like he, we're talking about not. East St. Louis, which goes up against the best teams in the state of Illinois, which is no mm-hmm. slouch for high school football. So he's going up against good quality opponents. He's not going up against some schmucks out there. This this is an impressive feat for him, especially to do that as a junior going into his senior year. You would you would imagine, hopefully, depending yeah. on how his progress goes this year, he could even be better this season. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm 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 always a sucker. For the kid who commits and then turns around and says, "Yeah, come on, let's go," and starts you know recruiting his teammates or recruiting other guys on Twitter that he wants to play with, I love that. I know it rarely amounts to anything, but that just makes my heart happy. It makes me feel better about his commitment, and uh, the the hope that in the long run, as we get into December, he does sign, and then end up in Columbia. So yeah, thumbs up all around. You feeling good? I'm feeling good about it, man, and we don't have official word yet, and I'll, I'll mention this because by the time that this posts, I would imagine the audience will probably know who the player is, but we got the bat sure. signal earlier today from Eli Drinkwitz that there's going to be another commitment as of recording. We're recording this about 8.30 on Tuesday night. We don't know who that player is yet. He's still a mystery, but I like the fact that even while we're in this dead period, Mizzou's getting commitments. I mean, this is not always Heck the yeah. case, you know? Like, it, it it's a clear sign that the staff is out working even when they can't actually be in person with these kids. And it gives me a little mm-hmm. bit of faith, man. And you tell me where you're at on this, that this is going to be a pretty good recruiting staff. That doesn't mean they're going to get a bunch of four- and five-star players, but the players that they are targeting, especially early on, and this is a really important factor, you want to get the kids that you're targeting early on, they seem to be landing so far. They need to keep these guys, and that might be tough later on, but they're targeting certain players. They're getting them to commit early, and hopefully that leads a little bit of a path for them to even continue adding on this uh, to this class later on. But I, I'm really impressed so far with what we've seen from the recruiting staff. Curtis Looper, uh, running backs coach, has a long, storied history as a recruiting coordinator. I went over that in my introduction piece with him uh, a couple weeks ago. Casey Woods uh, was director of player personnel at Auburn, basically kind of chief recruiter, um, and did recruiting for UAB, basically built that roster from scratch, the roster that has won Conference USA two years in a row. Um, You look at a guy like Brick Haley, who was very well respected in the South. You look at a guy like uh, Charlie Harbison, who's been around the Southeast forever, um, and I just feel like, you know, yes, this is a good recruiting staff. The Odom staff was good at talent evaluation. Uh, so far, it seems like this staff is pretty good at getting kids to commit early. And I don't, you know, I think there's a lot of good recruiters on this team, and that's what you want. You want good recruiters. They are going to win national championships more than anybody else. Um, 
Now you got to develop them, yep. and you got to let them play really well. But so far, hey, you can do no wrong when games have not been played. Am I right? No, for sure. And the development part is a really important factor, and I'm glad you hit on that because it's not just the evaluation. It's not just getting them to commit. It is then also getting them on campus and developing them into the players that they will ultimately be. And Pinkle hit on all three. He was a great. He was great at evaluating. He was great at getting them to commit, and then he was as good as there is in the country at developing these players. So that's kind of the gold standard. You don't have to be fantastic at all three, but you've got to be at least an adequate level at all each of those three, and then be good at something. So we're finding out that this staff might be pretty good at a minimum at getting these kids to commit, and we'll see on the other two later on whenever it comes to the evaluation and the development. Absolutely. So you mentioned Gary Pinkle and BK. I got to tell you the the draft nerd, the the historical uh, football nerd in me is very happy with what we're doing this week. <laughs> uh, at some point this week, uh, you all will be blessed with two articles uh, from both BK and myself doing a. Uh, we haven't figured out the name yet, but basically a Missouri Tiger football legends draft where we go through the past 20 years of Missouri football and draft a team uh, to quote-unquote play against each other um, and going through the history of Pinkle uh, and all the great players that he brought in, and yeah, even the Yodem guys too, uh, it just makes me very happy to to reminisce about what has been on campus and, and actually the, the great stars that we've had uh, that have come through Columbia. Um, this week we kicked it off. Uh, BK is actually, he drafted first. He was on the clock. Uh, so round one, uh, pick one, went to BK. And I want to go over our picks uh, that we've got for this week. So BK, the floor is yours with the first pick. So I did limit, I want to say this out front, I limited Nate, not the other way around. I told Nate, listen, I'm not great at the historical stuff if we're going back to the 1960s. I'm going to be honest out front on that. I've seen basically the last 20 <laughs> years of Mizzou football, and I can evaluate those. So let's limit it to the last 20 years. Nate probably could have gone the last 70 if I wanted him to. So we're going the last 20 <laughs> for this. We'll just go 2,000 and beyond. So for a reference point, that's kind of what we're looking at here. Basically, the Gary Pinkles to where we are today. So I thought the first pick was pretty easy, honestly. Um, I've always had the argument or the discussion about Mizzou football, and I think there are different there are different categories of best like there is the most valuable there is the actual best player you can argue most important player in mizzou over the last mizzou football history over the last 20 years you can argue all of these different things i don't think you can argue who the most valuable player for mizzou football has been over the last 20 years and that distinction of course belongs to one chase daniel he has to be the number one overall pick for me i think you can say that there are other players that were better at any given position on the team. I think you can argue, and I think you probably will argue, that there's a player that you might be talking about coming up that is more important to Mizzou football in the last 20 years. When it comes to value, though, I don't think you can argue. He finished his career 30-11 and as a starter. Two of those losses, of course, came in the Big 12 title game, another in a bowl game, regular season record overall, 28-8. and He won 78%. Of his regular season games as a starter. Yes, he had talented teams, but he was also one of the reasons why they were the biggest reason why they were winning those games. When you look back on some of the numbers that Chase Daniel put up, I mean, the guy was just an absolute monster. He was a legitimate Heisman candidate. 
I I don't know what more you can say about the guy. When it comes to Mizzou football over the last 20 years, there's only one player you can say was the most valuable player, and that was Chase Daniel. So with the number one overall pick, I didn't think there was any other option for me. I'm going Chase Daniel. I agree. And if I was picking number one, I'd probably go with him too, especially if I'm building a team. However, you did hint at something. And while Chase Daniel was running around throwing 10,000 billion (laughs) touchdown passes all over the place, he was doing it because a guy named Brad Smith came before him. So round one, pick two, Team Nate selects Bradley Smith out of Youngstown, Ohio. And I got to tell you, Brad Smith was maybe the most transformative player that Missouri football has seen ever, ever. I There's a lot of arguments you can make, obviously BK made him, about Chase Daniel, but without Brad Smith, Chase Daniel might not even take a sniff at Mizzou. Smith was maybe the probably, eh, and at the time, he was a very unique weapon and maybe the most athletic guy on the entire team on the entire Missouri football team. And even though he came, gosh, probably five years too early to really weaponize him in a way that was going to work, he still accomplished so, so much. I mean, gosh, he was the first player in FBS history to pass for 8,000 yards and rush for 4,000 yards in an entire career. He was the first player in FBS history to pass for 2,000 yards and run 4,000 yards in a season twice in a career. He was the second player in FBS history to rush for 1,000 yards and pass for 2,000 yards in a season. Fourth in history to score 200 points and pass for 200 points in a career. Dude was just absolutely prolific. And he had nothing around him. (laughs) He was, I mean, Gary Pinkle's build was slow and deliberate, and he just, it was Brad Smith make it happen. And one of the coolest things, is that especially for me growing up, like we had seen dual threat quarterbacks before. Larry Smith came in in the late 90s, established basically an option offense under Corby Jones. So we had seen that before. Corby was a little bit more of a bruiser. Brad Smith was a, was a gazelle. <laughs> he just ran away from you. Um, and it was so cool as, as I got used to watching Brad Smith. Like you could see, like, wow, the defense is lining up this way. He's probably, yes, he is. Oh, he's gone. And you could just see like him move. And the way he ran, very much like Denario Alexander, he was so fast, but it looked like he wasn't even trying because everyone else was just scrambling as fast as they could to catch him. Um, he certainly wasn't the most prolific passer. Um, he is, I believe, yeah, he is third in school history in career passing yards, though. Um, now that's probably not going to last too long, but still, I mean, he wasn't the most prolific through the air, but he could get it done, and the threat on it by his legs uh, made everybody open up at some point. And uh, poor Texas Tech. <laughs> he just loved beating up on the Red Raiders. Like he had, I think he had a five rushing touchdown game and 291 yards rushing against Texas Tech in 2003. Like he just feasted on Mike Leach. But the point is, is that without Brad Smith, none of the other good stuff comes. If you don't have Brad Smith, you're probably not winning that 2005 uh, Independence Bowl. And if you don't win that, Pinkle gets canned yep. flat out. Um, so he he led the comeback for that. Uh, I think he was most valuable player in the Independence Bowl in 2005 and set the stage for Chase Daniel, Martin Rucker, Chase Kaufman, Lorenzo Williams, Pig Brown, William Moore, all of those guys to stick with that same coaching staff and do what they did in the in the following years. Um, you know, everyone talks about the the Mount Rushmore of uh of missouri football 
I, yeah, I think Chase Taylor goes on there, but you got to put Brad Smith on there too. And if I'm building a team the way I want to build it, and I am, uh, he is definitely the type of quarterback that I would want on my team. So you take Chase, I'll take Brad. I think I'm feeling good about it. I think you made the argument that I would make. I think Brad Smith is the most important Mizzou football player of the last 20 years. I think Chase Daniels is the most valuable. I think Brad Smith is mm-hmm. the most important because you said it. If you don't have him, you don't get everything else. He's the one for me, and we're similar ages here, but for me, Brad Smith was the one that made Mizzou football fun again. Chase Daniel was the one that made me believe in Mizzou football again. Like, there was still ridiculous things that happened whenever it was um, Brad Smith at quarterback, but Chase Daniel made me believe that every game that he played in, Mizzou was going to win. Brad Smith was the guy that I was like, man, I'm going to watch on Saturday because it's so much fun to watch Brad Smith play football. Like, just the way that he plays the game is appealing aesthetically. It's, It's appealing to watch him play. And so they're two very different players in every possible way, and their impact is unbelievably different as well. But I I think if we are going to have a first round of what the last 20 years was for Mizzou football, and it's only going to be two pick, I don't think you can have it be any two other players than those two because of what they brought to the program. Definitely not. Definitely not. Completely agree. So those those two gentlemen will be heading up our offenses. Um, that is round one. Now we got round two that'll be coming up uh, later in the week, and I get to go first. Ha ha! Because we're <laughs> so I've got my quarterback. I know I've got my quarterback. I'll fill out the rest of the offense later. I need a disruptive defensive player. I need someone to kind of build the rest of my defense around. There's a lot, there's a couple ways you could do it. Obviously, a linebacker is a great pick. Uh, shut down corner. That I'm going to need since Chase Daniels is going to be flinging it all over the place. No, no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get maybe the most disruptive defensive player I have seen in my time in Columbia. So, with the first pick in the second round, so the third overall pick, Team Nate selects Sheldon Richardson out of St. Louis, Missouri. Definitely the most disruptive defensive lineman on the interior that I have ever seen. The dude did not put up like a lot of numbers per se. Like he had, you know, six sacks in his career. Uh, he had a couple of pass deflections and he had a couple of forced fumbles. Sure. That's not that's not why you have Sheldon Richardson. You have Sheldon Richardson because he completely collapses the interior of the offensive line and frees up anybody else to do whatever they want. The 2012 team was not a good team. They went 5-7. and seven. But, oh, my God, that defense was monstrous. And if Sheldon Richardson had played against Syracuse, oh I guarantee we would have been 6-6. Oh, six. <laughs> I remember the stories after the game of him just lighting up the locker room. God, it just... Mm. But Sheldon was, was an absolute athlete in high school. He played defensive tackle. He played tight end. And he returned kicks at 200 and I think 85 pounds when he was in high school. Returning kicks. It is, if you ever want to have a good laugh, go watch his high school film. It is high comedy. Because, again, it's Sheldon Richardson, NFL defensive tackle, Sheldon Richardson, against a bunch of high school kids. And it's, it's just great. 
great. But point is, I mean, you might not see a lot from the stat, but that's not what you want from your defensive tackles. Sheldon Richardson commanded double teams pretty much in every play, uh, sometimes triple teams. I think the highest uh, compliment that you can get is having Spencer Hall of EDSBS complain about how much his team cannot cover you. And in 2012, I was at a, I was at a bar watching this game, following it on Twitter. Spencer Hall said, somebody stop Sheldon bleeping Richardson. <laughs> and I knew. I was like, oh, this is how you know it's legit. <laughs> so that is my pick, and I am I am feeling very good about my defensive line right so now. So it's a great pick, and I say it's a great pick because I had two choices that I could have gone with for my pick here in the second round, and that was one of them. So you made my choice very, very <laughs> yes. easy for me. Um, I am going to go with Spoon. I mean, it, I, no, I, no. I, I feel like you can go one of two ways here in this round. It was either Sheldon Richardson, who I agree with you is the most disruptive uh, upfront player on the defensive line that Mizzou has had over the last 20 years. Or you can go with Sean Witherspoon, who is like the quintessential Gary Pinkle player. Came in as a 5.22 star recruit, was a no-name guy that was an afterthought in his recruiting class, and becomes one of the best Mizzou players in program history. I mean, the story is amazing. The leadership is unbelievable. The athleticism is incredible. He can do literally everything. He had over his final two years at Mizzou... 33 and a half tackles for loss and nine sacks as a linebacker. (laughs) Oh, by the way, he had four interceptions and two of them he took back for touchdowns. Like, there was literally, quite literally, nothing that Sean Weatherspoon couldn't do on the football field when he was at Mizzou. He was an unbelievable football player, was as good as it gets after the games when it comes to the quotes. I'm going to have a fantastic locker room with him and Chase Daniel as my two leaders. Oh yeah. I'm feeling really good about everything, both on and off of the field. I love my pick here. I'm going Sean Weatherspoon as my second-round pick. Oh, he would have been my next pick. So, no, that tip of the hat – Spoon was a great interview. He was a great personality and just a fearless player. I remember, let's see, that was 2007 when he really burst out onto the mm-hmm. scene. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like he was everywhere. And he was, you know, some two star out of, uh, well, what, some small Texas. Jasper, town. Texas. Just Jasper, yeah. Texas. West of Did Dallas. Did you ever hear why he committed? Why? Why he like he saw a sign to commit to Missouri? Have you ever heard that story? No, I know that his other offers were from Houston, Iowa State, TCU, and Tulane. Not exactly the who's who of college football yeah. programs, but yeah. So <laughs> he he had done his his visits, and I don't remember what order they were. It's not important, but he was coming back home. Movie was flying into Houston Hobby, and he he got off the plane and he was getting ready to drive back to Jasper, and as he as he's getting off the plane. He sees a guy in a Mizzou sweatshirt, and he goes, that's the sign I needed. And that apparently was like the 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 serendipitous event that caused him to commit. I'm sure that Gary Pinkle and his staff did a great job of making him feel welcome and, and you know selling him on the program. Obviously, it worked out. But, yeah, there you go. Stars aligned, and someone wore the correct hoodie on the right day. There you go. God bless that man. Whoever that man is, Gary Pinkle <laughs> needed to get him on the payroll. Because okay. that's the best recruiting job anybody's ever done. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. Absolutely. God, so I mean, can you imagine if those defenses didn't 
have Spoon because like he he's just he's a game changer. Having that kind of a player at the second level of your defense just allows you to do so many different things at every other layer of your defense. He he's one of my favorite Mizzou players to watch over the last 20 years. So not only is he one of the best, but he's also just in terms of being a joy to watch on the football field, he's he's right up there for me. I mean, that 2009 team, once uh, Chase Daniel left and, and Blaine Gabbert got broken in half by Indominus Sue, um, that defense without Spoon would still have Jaquise Smith and Allen Smith, but man, you wouldn't have anything Rome in the middle. And that was not a super great year, but like it would have been yeah. even worse if he was not if he was not back there. Oh, well, excellent choice. I'm jealous that you have Weatherspoon, but that's okay. <laughs> So let's uh, let's wrap it up. You know we are we're all or we all should be quarantining ourselves and, and staying inside and enjoying the every corner of our house or apartment or wherever we live. Um, so let's let's give the people some entertainment. If you, Mr. BK, had to watch one movie and one TV show, let's say for the rest of your life, what would those choices be? So for I'll do my movie first because it'll be quick. Um, I've said before I'm more of a TV show guy than I am a movie guy, but I will yeah. give you a good movie for you. Uh, we're going Wedding Crashers because if you're going to watch it every day for the rest of your life, it's got to be something light, right? It's got to be something quotable. It's got to be something that you can have on in the background that you're just going to enjoy no matter how many times you've watched it. And that's the movie. Like, the, 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 from start to finish, it's among the best rom-coms that you could possibly have. I'm going to Wedding Crashers as my movie here. Man, I dig it. Uh, the the cop-out answer for me would be, like, a trilogy, you know, or, like, the Marvel movie, you know, extended universe. Like, that's that's a cop-out. Don't do okay, that. well, that's 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 well played, but yeah. not not an acceptable answer, nonetheless. Not, not in the spirit of the question. <laughs> um, so, I, you know what I'm going to do? I am going to go Fellowship of the Ring. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Here's why. Number one. I didn't know you were a Lord of the Rings guy. Oh, dude. You would have, if you would have visited me, you know, when I was 14, 15, 16, I was all about that Lord of the Rings stuff, man. It was, <laughs> I was fully engaged. Um, yeah, a Fellowship of the Ring. Number one, it's the lightest of the movies. It's the easiest book to read, but we're not talking about books, but it's the easiest movie to consume. It's a very simple yet un- incomplete adventure story. Right, you set up the world. You kind of figure out what happens. You get some great shots of three thousand years ago. The hero finds his calling. He gets a team together. They go on adventures. You dodge death and certain doom, and they're broken up at the end. And it's like, oh man, everyone's got to go their separate ways. But if you just ended it at that, you'd be fine, and you could watch that day after day after day, or at least I could, and be completely happy. Uh, you could also have it on the background, just like check in whenever you want to see it, or you could plop yourself down and watch the full thing because you know it's just beautiful to watch. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna go super nerdy and make that my pick. So you're going the action adventure route. I went the rom com. You went action adventure. I like it. I respect it. I do. And like Wedding Crashers was so good, man. I that was some of the hardest I laughed in theaters for you know as I was growing up, and I loved. Uh, I love that. What do they, they call a frat pack? Is that what they call themselves? <laughs> yes. I forget. But yeah, that group of guys, like oh, excellent movies. Yeah. Good. good yeah. Call. It, it's tremendous. Uh, we're going to go with for the TV show. We'll go ahead and go that route now. Um, yeah. Especially given the current state of everything. Um, I'm going West Wing. 
Uh, it's not my Ooh. favorite TV show of all time. That would be The Wire. I think The Wire is the best TV show of all time, but that's a little heavy. Ooh. And so, especially given our current situation, I'm not going to go with The Wire here. I'm not going to go with Breaking Bad here. <laughs> Although good, not quite as enjoyable of a watch, I'm going to go West Wing because it's a super light, super easy watch. Um, The Two Cathedrals is among the greatest two episodes of any TV show in the history of television. The dialogue is incredible. Uh, I would go West Wing here. Mm -hmm. Can I guess yours, Nate? Sure, go ahead. I feel like this is the typical answer that you would get to this. It's going to be one of either Parks and Rec or The Office. How would I do? You're half right. <laughs> okay. I was, I was going to go Parks and Rec. If you want, if you okay. want an easy show that world builds, character develops, and just is a damn good story that's funny, even on repeat watching, Parks and Rec would definitely be my choice. However, <laughs> however, part of me wants to go Breaking Bad. I know it's dark. I know not all episodes are good. But the entire rise and fall of the of the empire is just uh, it's so good. And I don't I can't decide. So I'm gonna give the people two, because I'm just that nice. Either Breaking Bad or Parks and Rec. That's Okay. One of those two. I mean they're they're both good choices. You can't go wrong with either of the two. Um, but you did you did you did a cop out answer. I mean, just I for what it's worth, you did, did pull a cop out. I did. Do you like The Office, by the way? Is that is that something you enjoy? So, it's okay. Um, I think it's a little bit overrated compared to what everybody else seems to believe. Um, my If I'm going to go that route, like that style of comedy, I would probably go Good Place. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I prefer The Good Place. I prefer Veep. I even prefer Arrested Development over The Office. <laughs> But the office is good nonetheless, right? Like I can appreciate the office for what it is. It's just not, I'm not a hundred percent there. If I could give anybody a recommendation for like during this time, if you're looking for something to like, just take up some of your time to literally eat up the time, Mm -hmm. the Americans is a tremendous television show. I've heard so much about that. I've yet to watch it. Dude, it is, it is well worth your time. Um, It's a little bit heavy for right now, probably, Mm -hmm. But mm-hmm. it is it is legitimately really good. Like it's it's up there among the best shows I've seen with the likes of The Wire and Breaking Bad and The Sopranos. Like it's it's that good. So I would highly highly recommend The Americans for anybody looking for a TV show right now. That's a lot of seasons too, isn't it? Like five or six or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's over, so I mean you can yeah. take your time with it yeah. now. But the point is that we got nothing but time. So exactly, you know, the worst thing you'd want to do is like get into Arrested Development, which is like three good seasons, and then you're done. You know, right? Um, so longevity plays into a part of that. If you want longevity, take a look at. Uh, gosh, you could go Game of Thrones. That took forever, and they're all an hour each. You know, something like That's that. That's another one that I've got to do. I've still got to mm-hmm. do Game of Thrones. I know I'm behind on it. I know everybody loves it. I just I was so far behind, and I didn't feel like I had time to catch up. And then it was over, and I was like, Ah, screw it. I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> And it's a super disappointing ending. So, I mean, you're not in a rush to get there, but that's a good one. Uh, also, go go back. If you all have HBO, there are some excellent shows on there. Watch Rome. Rome was an excellent series. I think it was only two seasons. Super expensive to make, but very good. Um, Veep, I would strongly endorse Veep, even in the current political climate. Like, it's just, 
it's too damn funny not to watch. It's hilarious. It's absolutely tremendous. Yeah. I got to give the West Wing a shot. I I was always told that I would enjoy it. I just never got around if to it. If you watch so. the first season and then the first two episodes of the second season and you don't find yourself enjoying it, you're not into it, you can quit. Because that that's like as that's as good as it's going to get. So if you don't enjoy it at that point, you can go ahead and cut it off. If you do enjoy it though, you, you'll you'll continue doing so. Awesome. What's your what's your guilty pleasure TV show? The one that uh, oh well, Big Brother. Now they're trying to podcast. Oh my God, really Big Brother? Yep. I'm I'm always I'm a Big Brother really? fanatic. It's absurd. It's a horrible television show. Nobody should watch it. I do not recommend it in any way, shape, or form. But I'm there every single year for for better or worse. I'm there watching. Wow, good for you. I was gonna say Golden Girls. <laughs> oh, that's just you're, great. <laughs> yours is much better than mine, actually. It's a little more wholesome. Uh, it's a great show. Yeah. It doesn't hold up super well, but like I don't care. It's great. I used to watch that when I was uh, at home sick, you know, back in elementary school stuff. Golden Girls, if you if you can catch it. Anyway, enough TV, man. We've we don't all, have a whole. We've lot all got to have our thing, thing, man. Yeah, we all got to have our thing. Well, so that's uh, that's going to be the show for this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Uh, you can leave a comment. You can leave us a rating. You know, we love all types of feedback. Uh, you can follow us. Uh, I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And of course, you can follow the Rockin' flagship uh, at Rockin' Nation. So we appreciate you all tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. C-O-U.